Well, welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. Glad you're with us. It's Monday, November 16th. There's good news on the COVID vaccine front. We're going to have more on that today on the show. But how about those Trump rallies over the weekend? You know, the media saw the whole thing as an afterthought, even claiming that only hundreds attended. <laughs> yeah, right. More like tens of thousands. Of course, the media loved to talk about the post-rally violence that ensued later in the evening, and that's when the radical left came out and caused mayhem, but the media didn't report it that way at all, and we're going to have more on that later in the show. As for Joe Biden, he's still talking like he's going to be the next president of the United States, despite legal disputes and no certification in key states. We will delve into the transition process even if it's not as robust as some Democrats want it to be. But first, our newsmaker, uh, joining me now on the water cooler, U.S. Senator James Lankford from the great state of Oklahoma. Senator, thanks for being here. I really appreciate your time. Really glad to be able to join you today. Well, Senator uh, Joe Biden, uh, he's been called president-elect. Is that too premature at this point? That is premature. People can choose to call him whatever they choose to call him. I call him Joe Biden. Uh, at this point, because he doesn't have a title uh, right now. Uh, all the ballots have been certified. We don't know yet uh, who's going to end up being the eventual winner on that. Uh, we'll get through the count and then we'll know. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, Robert O'Brien, the NSA director, and also uh, John Bolton, of course, the former uh, director there at the NSA, uh, talking about uh, the fact that Republicans, it's time for Republicans to tell voters that he is indeed president-elect, or actually what Robert O'Brien uh, talked about. It looks like Joe Biden has won the election. So you're saying this is, uh, wh wh what do you make of some of those comments? So there's a certification process we have to be able to go through. That'll be done by December 14th. Right now, there is, uh, there is dispute between the two different uh, people that were competing for this, obviously current President uh, Trump and then Joe Biden as well. Uh, we don't know yet who the final winner is, and when we go through this process, we'll know. But I'm not trying to declare it early on this. I know a lot of folks in some media outlets are trying to declare it early. Uh, we went through 37 days of evaluation of this in 2000, and uh, somehow our country survived in it. And uh, so let's allow the court proceedings to go out. Let's allow maximum transparency. Uh, let's see what the hand recount says in Georgia and how it compares against their machine count. That'll find out if there really was a glitch in the system, and we'll know once and for all. Uh, let's look at ballots that were actually submitted uh, by people that were long since dead and to be able to find out who's voting for people that have long since been dead. And then let's ask the uh, constitutional questions in Pennsylvania and to be able to find out how we're getting, uh, do, uh, we're getting equal justice under the law there. Everyone's being treated the same. Senator, do you have some serious concerns? I mean, you mentioned a glitch in the system. Do you have some serious concerns about Dominion voting systems? What's been your, your sense of it so far? So it's unknown at this point. It's a new system, and I've heard all the accusations. I've heard all the background information on it. The big question is, it's untested, and we don't know. This is the first really big test for it. Uh, it is entirely reasonable for us to do a um, hand recount in Georgia to be able to make sure that that's actually accurate. Uh, that's the best way to be able to test the software is to be able to not just do individual precincts, test it all, and then you get a chance to be able to know. I want to ask you about the GSA administration. Uh, Emily Murphy, a Trump appointee, obviously. Democrats are quick to point out she's a Trump appointee. They want that letter. They want that certification letter from the GSA administration uh, as it relates to making sure the transition process can go along smoothly here and at least get some, many of those funds. What do you think should be done on GSA? So their GSA has by law the requirement to ascertain who the winner is and then to be able to help the winner uh, then to be able to do their transition, it gets them security clearances, it gets them transition space, uh, IT support, all of those things as well. 
GSA doesn't have the legal authority or constitutional authority to ascertain if it's a disputed election. We don't know who the election is. And uh, liberals around the country are trying to be able to run into GSA and to say, force the issue, make them submit at this point. That, that's not GSA's role. GSA is, a, is an entity that's trying to work on government efficiency, uh, but also has the responsibility for transition. One of the things that I've challenged GSA on is this, is say, walk through the metrics of how we actually get to a, a national security clearance. Because in 2000, when there was the last big disputed election, uh, at that time, candidate Bush was cut off uh, from getting intel briefings. Uh, many people don't know you get intel briefings as soon as you declared the Republican or the Democrat candidate. So Joe Biden, for instance, has been receiving intel briefings for months at this point, but those stopped as soon as the election occurred until we know who the actual winner is. I think we should continue doing the briefings the same as it was during the campaign time period because we're still in the campaign. We don't know who the winner is at this point. That's the one thing to be able to work out with GSA is to say, I'll just allow the same thing to continue that has continued uh, in this process. But you can't declare someone president-elect from a government entity. That That's not going to happen. So, Senator, just to be clear, I want to clear up any media reports out there, this idea that you were encouraging intel intelligence briefings for uh, Joe Biden uh, to continue. But you're, you're saying that you want him, how do you want the GSA to handle this? I'm, try, I'm just trying to understand exactly how this should proceed, because I want you to set, set that record straight. Yeah, to set the record straight, Joe Biden's received intelligence briefings since August. Every single day he gets an intel briefing because he's a presidential candidate that's been declared by the Democratic Party, just like President Trump did starting after the Republican convention in 2016. He received intelligence briefings every day. He and Hillary Clinton both got them during that time period as well. They have now stopped, and this same event happened in 2000. The 9-11 Commission came back later and said, hey, if we ever get to a disputed election, GSA and other entities should continue to be able to work with both candidates until the American people know, until it's actually certified in the election. There's no harm in allowing both to continue on this uh, same briefings. I've had some folks that said, hey, there are problems with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and China and Ukraine. I don't want him to get briefings. And I've smiled and said, Hey, you should have stopped that five months ago mm -hmm. uh, because he's received briefings for months. That's what we do for presidential candidates. And then we allow them to be able to be prepared, knowing we had two horses in the race. One of them will be the next president on that one. Obviously, I hope that's President Trump at this point when we finish all the ballot counting. But we still have two horses in the race and we should both get them prepared for national security issues. National security is not political. National security affects all of us equally. What does that look like from a step-in standpoint? How, how would you potentially step in and try to uh, break this? If it's a logjam, I don't know what you would call it exactly. Yeah, for me, stepping in, it, uh, the, the media made a yeah. bunch of news about me saying I'm going to step in. It's like I'm going to step in and take over the world uh, to be able to do that. The committee that I chair has oversight of GSA. So my responsibility is GSA obviously can't make this decision, is to be able to work with them to say, how are you going to make this decision? I'm the person that can talk back and forth with him uh, to be able to say, give me your metrics, give me your plan and your strategy. I've had conversations with GSA leadership. My staff has had conversations with GSA leadership. This is not a position any leader of GSA would ever want to be in because people are going to put unrealistic expectations on them of what they can do. They're, they're not going to declare winners. Their responsibility is the legal issue is to ascertain who the winner is. That winner's not been declared. And uh, so they're going to continue to pause, but they do have to be able to work through this to set reasonable timelines. And for us as a nation, it's already in law. That's December the 14th is the date that is in law. 
that this all has to be resolved one way or the other. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm going to continue to work with folks to say, how do we get to national security briefings for both? So regardless of who's elected, they're both ready. So just so I understand, you want to see uh, Joe Biden continue to get these briefings like he was getting in August? You just want to figure out a way that he can that that it can go through GSA? No, GSA would be the one to be able to be a part of actually right. signing off on that because they're the they're the physical entity that actually does that. But yes, I do think he needs to receive those briefings. Again, you take politics out of it. You take DNR out of this mm -hmm. uh, entirely. This is a national security issue. Both sides have been receiving briefings for months every single day to prepare them. Intelligence is not something you can read over a weekend to be ready to be able to do the next week. It's layer upon layer of information about every region of the world. I don't want to stop that for either one of them until we actually know what the final result's going to be. By the way, any sense of a timeline on that, how long that might take uh, with GSA? No, the, 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 the president's going to take as long as he chooses to be able to take in this, to be able to challenge the election, to be able to go through the process. He has every right to be able to do that, quite mm -hmm. frankly, every responsibility to do that. The ultimate time period is going to be December the 14th, because December the 14th is when this has to be certified. Every state has to have their information in. Everything has to be done and begin the process with the Electoral College at that point. Senator, what happens, and this is this has been talked about, what happens if, if certain states have not certified the results by the 14th or the 8th, I guess, is the safe harbor deadline? Right. So by law, in each state, they have to be able to do that by their own law. Obviously, there'll be court challenges within their state uh, to be able to do that. And if you'll remember during the 2000 election, uh, initially, George Bush didn't receive uh, intelligence briefings. It was all up in the air for 37 days. Uh, and then eventually, by the end of November, it was decided no, both sides need to get intel briefings. At the same time, they were working through all the legal process. They made it also by the deadline. There were four recounts in Florida at that time, two different trips uh, to the Supreme Court. And uh, so, our, again, our judicial system can handle the stress and the pressure of it. Our states can do the same on this. I have full faith in our structure and our system. But right now is the time to be able to get answer. We, we can't say what that answer is going to be. We're getting answers with things like the hand recount in Georgia yeah. right now. I have less than a minute left, but I have to ask you about the vaccine and some of the concurring news we heard about Moderna. What do you make of that? What do you think folks in Oklahoma are taking away? I know there's a lot of folks that might be concerned about taking a vaccine, in, especially in a, in a rushed environment. Yeah, it, it's, it's not rushed in any way except for they stripped out the bureaucracy. Uh, typically, it takes a very long time on a vaccine because they'll do a few steps on it. Then it takes months and months of, of government work and then a few steps in the science and months and months of government work that slows the whole process down. What the Trump team did is in this Operation Warp Speed is to strip out any of the bureaucratic impediments and to guarantee a purchase at the end of it. Uh, so they could say, if you can produce a safe and effective uh, vaccine, we mm -hmm. will then purchase it at the end of it. So that gave them a guaranteed buyer and it stripped away all the bureaucracy and put the attention of everybody on it. And so they can do the science can do its actual work. I think a lot of people in Oklahoma are ready to roll up their sleeves and to be able to get it. But I would tell you, yeah. no one's going to be mandated uh, to be able to get it. Uh, it's going to be a choice to be able to get it for those that want to be able to get it. Senator Langford, always great to see you. And thanks for joining me today. Really appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks for what you're doing. All right. Senator James Langford, uh, listen, straight shooter. You look it up in Webster's and boom, there comes his picture. Uh, coming next, another picture, Corey Lewandowski rallies and the legal fight ahead. We'll talk about it when we come back. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? 
Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, all right, Donald Trump and the legal strategy ahead, the rallies this past weekend. There's a lot to talk about, and who better to talk about it than with Corey Lewandowski, a senior advisor to the Trump campaign. Hey, uh, Corey, great to have you back with us. Thank you for having me back, David. Well, Corey, let me just start on a personal note. Uh, how are you doing? Obviously, uh, uh, coming down with coronavirus, I want to check in on you first. Oh, that's kind of you. Look, I feel really good. Um, took the necessary precautions. Have been self-isolating at home for what is now north of a week. Uh, used some over-the-counter medicine, which is just vitamin C, vitamin D, kind of the stuff that anybody can get. And uh, I think it's really helped. And obviously, we've come a long way in combating this virus. All right. So you're, you're, on, your, you're on the road to recovery. You're doing okay then, overall? Yes, I am. Thank you. Okay, good. All right, Corey, uh, look, uh, last time you checked, uh, you hear all these terms about President-elect Biden, President-elect Biden. Uh, I want to get your reaction, because we haven't spoken since the election. I want to get your reaction in terms of uh, whether or not they're measuring the drapes too quickly here. Or do you really believe that this president, as in President Trump, will continue to remain president? Well, look, David, the truth is um, there's clearly been some voting irregularities in a number of the states. I've witnessed it firsthand in the state of Pennsylvania when I went up there, where they wouldn't let us go in and, and watch as a poll watcher what they were counting. Uh, I pointed out very specifically a woman who had died, sent uh, the county sent a ballot to her two days after she had passed away, and then she turned around and voted. And they said, well, yeah, but maybe she voted for Donald Trump. Uh, that's I guess that's their excuse. And, and so look, how widespread is the voter fraud? I don't know the answer, but what I do know is that um, the rate of return for the absentee ballots in the primary in Pennsylvania was about 1%. In the general election, uh, when I say the, the, the kick, when you kick out the number of absentees coming, it's about 1%. In the general election, it's about uh, two-tenths of 1%, meaning they haven't even checked any of the criteria required to make sure that there's no fake people voting, no dead people voting, that there's signature verification. So, uh, look, we have an uphill battle. There's no question about it. But our path is there. And we, it is time for us to lay out our case to the American people and bring this to the courts. Corey, what's the legal strategy then specifically? Because there have been some court, there have been a couple court victories, but, but there have also been quite a few court losses too. And I, and I know there's a lot more to come. So what is the, the legal strategy kind of overall here to, to make sure this thing gets settled fairly? Well, look, first and foremost, uh, Rudy Giuliani, Mayor Giuliani is overseeing our legal component along with Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood very capable attorneys. Uh, but part of what we wanna do specifically in the state of Pennsylvania is any ballots that came in after Tuesday election day at 8 p.m. when the polls closed, they're required to be segregated out, which means we haven't determined if those are to be counted yet. Uh, the state Supreme Court and the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania overstepped their bounds when they said that people could continue to vote and turn in their ballots after election day. Judge Samuel Alito of the United States Supreme Court said that was not the case. Those ballots will be segregated out. However, again, because we've not had the opportunity to review the ballots as they came in, we don't know if they're truly segregated out. They say they are, but uh, Mayor Giuliani believes there's somewhere north of about 600,000 ballots that have come in that were not reviewed from individuals. 
And his argument is none of those votes should be counted. If that's the case, then Donald Trump probably wins the state of Pennsylvania right now by north of 350,000 votes. Corey, Dominion Voting Systems, Sydney Powell says she's got evidence. She wouldn't bring this up if she didn't have evidence to show. Uh, what do you expect on Dominion Voting Systems? Do, do you think this is the smoking gun? Do you think she's got the evidence? Well, I have enormous respect for Attorney Powell. You know, what she's been able to do with Michael Flynn pushing the FBI to, to come out and finally admit that they didn't trap him, that they were after him from the very beginning. Sidney Powell is a dogged professional attorney. And if she says she has that evidence, I have no reason to doubt her at all. Uh, where we are, though, David, is, as I've said, it's going to be time to start to present that evidence and present it to a court of law. We have to make sure that uh, we can do that. We have a case. The judges will hear that case and then they'll have to rule on that case. You know, we, we want an end to this election. Of course we do. But we also want every legal vote counted. And we want to make sure that every vote that was cast illegally is not counted. And so if Sidney Powell has evidence as it relates to the voting machines, which have been used in a number of these states, it's going to be incumbent on her to, to bring that information forward so that the American people, but more importantly, the courts can see it. I want to turn to the rallies of this weekend. What did you, obviously, I have a sense of what you ma made of them, but I mean, to see something like that's pretty significant. The media was trying to downplay it. Uh, I, I am curious, though, about what this means in terms of momentum for the president moving forward. Does, do, do rallies like this have any sort of momentum in the process? Well, you bet. Look, the president loves, as you know, the president uh, took his motorcade down through the rally to thank the people for being there Saturday in, in Washington, D.C., uh, what we saw was, by and large, most of the networks completely disregarded the rally. They didn't cover it. They didn't talk about it. And then what we saw after it got dark in Washington, D.C., was Antifa came out and started attacking innocent Trump supporters, berating them, uh, using fireworks at restaurants and trying to hurt people. Looks like 20 people have been arrested, punching people. Uh, you know, these are a bunch of cowards. And so, you know, there's no place in a civilized society for this to occur. And this is why, more than ever, we cannot be defunding our police. You know, it, it, I'll tell you, David, it's really amazing to me because I've looked at the election results and what I've seen is Donald Trump received a higher, per, you know, more votes than any candidate in the history of presidential politics except Joe Biden. And you look at all of the candidates that he carried across the finish line, all the House seats he picked up, and you're telling me that for some reason, um, all of a sudden, Donald Trump didn't win this election? I don't know that to be the case. I've never seen cross balloting like we're seeing here. I've never seen so many people who have voted for either Joe Biden and then gone over and voted for the Republican is what they're alleging. Yeah. And, and look, you know, David, we've seen the giant rallies for Trump for the last four plus years. Joe Biden couldn't put five people in a room. There was no excitement for him. In my little town, I'm just going to give this one concrete example. In my little town, uh, we, had a, we have four people running for state representative. They each received about 5,000 votes. It's a small town. Mm -hmm. They had a recount. The votes were off by 400, 400 count was off. In other words, the Republicans all picked up 300 during the recount and the Democrats lost 100. How does that happen in a little town yeah. like mine? Yeah. Maybe that's almost a 10% error rate in our voting system. Did that occur in other places? I don't know, but it clearly occurred in my little town. No, definitely need to look into that, all of that. Uh, Corey, 20 seconds or so, how does this end? What's, what's your best guess as to, as to how all of this ends? Look, unfortunately, this is going to end in the Supreme Court, and they're going to have to rule uh, if if we were disenfranchised and if there was enough voting irregularities to overturn the election. That's a decision for the for the nine on the bench. Corey Lewandowski, always great to see you. Glad you're recovering and uh, feel better. Thank you.
All right, that's Corey Lewandowski, who uh, not only instrumental in, this time around in the campaign, but let's be honest. I mean, without Corey Lewandowski, everybody talking about Donald Trump in 2016. Look, I was there for the infancy of that. Corey Lewandowski, a major player, letting Trump be Trump. That's the key to all of this, and Corey did exactly that. All right, when we come back, Ralph Reed and the evangelical vote, breaking it down. Back in a moment. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right, uh, look, it depends on, we'll see how all of this ends up, uh, whether or not it's going to be President Joe Biden, could it be President Donald Trump? I, I, don't, I don't know exactly. I mean, it kind of is leaning towards, obviously, the uh, President-elect Biden situation. Uh, but as it relates to evangelicals, it does seem like they did their job in 2020. To talk more about that, the author uh, of For God and Country, The Christian Case for Trump, Ralph Reed, joining us uh, back on the program. Ralph, it's always great to see you, sir. Thank you. You bet. Good to be with you, David. Well, break it down for us. So there's been a lot of talk about how Biden did uh, better with the faith vote, but I think that seems a little bit too broad of a narrative. Why don't, why don't you kind of break down some of these numbers for us, Ralph? Yeah, we, um, we, we, we commissioned two post-election surveys, uh, one by Public Opinion Strategies, which is one of the most respected polling outfits in the country, polls in more uh, House races and Senate races than any other uh, firm in the nation. And what we found is that uh, evangelicals gave 81% of their votes to Donald Trump. That's the exact share that he won uh, four years ago. And Joe Biden got only 14% of their votes. Uh, that's the smallest share ever won by a Democratic presidential uh, nominee in the history of exit or post-election polling. It's even lower than Hillary Clinton did uh, four years ago, but the electorate grew from 137 million and change four years ago to it looks like a projected right at or just under 160 million voters. So there were actually 9.2 million more evangelical voters, which means Donald Trump probably got seven to seven and a half million more evangelical votes than he did four years ago. And the margin in some of these states, David, is astonishing. I mean, in Georgia and North Carolina, it was 85 to 14 percent. In Texas, it was 86 to 13 percent. These are network exit polls. So mission accomplished in the sense that the share of the electorate that was born again evangelical increased. The raw number of votes increased by 9.2 million. And Donald Trump did better among those evangelical voters than he did four years ago. So, Ralph, it begs the question, and I'll make it kind of generic, but what, what happened? Because if, Pre if President-elect Biden becomes President Biden, uh, it's not going to be because of evangelicals, but something else uh, might have gone wrong. What about white Catholics and the Rust Belt? What, what's, what happened there, Ralph? Yeah, we, uh, we showed in our post-election survey that the president won white Catholics uh, roughly 52 to 45 percent, uh, that he won frequently mass-attending Catholics 
these are faithful, observant Catholics who regularly attend mass services weekly or more often. Uh, they're about 9% of the electorate. He won them 60 to 38. Both of those numbers were lower than they were four years ago. And I think the big change, David, particularly in the upper Midwest, those all-important battlegrounds of Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, these are more heavily Catholic states. Uh, Donald Trump won the Catholic vote four years ago. Uh, he did it narrowly, but he won it. And Joe Biden won the Catholic vote. Uh, in uh, 2020, according to the polling, and no one, no one who wins the Catholic vote has failed to win the presidency since John F. Kennedy ran for president in 1960. Mm -hmm. It's the swing vote in American politics. Yeah, so Ralph, it's kind of what we were talking about all along. I mean, there was this dirty little secret that, you know, well, it wasn't even a dirty little secret, that, that, that Joe Biden was not Hillary Clinton. Uh, you know, the president was told this, uh, everybody knew it, and it does seem like Joe Biden was able to, whether it be a couple percentages more, resonate better with white Catholics in the Rust Belt than Hillary Clinton ever did. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's it's early. I think we have to still unpack the data and look at exactly okay. what happened, but that would certainly appear to be the case. Uh, I think that the life issue and his flip-flop on the Hyde Amendment and his embrace of the Planned Parenthood agenda clearly hurt him with frequently mass-attending Catholics. But you have to remember there's a difference between self-identification uh, of, of what is sometimes referred to as a cradle Catholic, born Catholic, not frequently mass attending, not necessarily observant or subscribing to the social teaching of the church, and those who are far more faithful in their religious observance. And that runs like a cleavage through the Catholic community. About half uh, identify with the church's social teaching and frequently attend mass, and about half don't. And that's uh, the breakdown that we saw in 2020 as well. Ralph, uh, Donald Trump did very well within the Latino community. Obviously, yep. I, I remember you called it. You said, look at Miami-Dade, and you were 100% on the money. Uh, what about Latino evangelicals? Clearly, there was uh, some, some great numbers there as well, I'm assuming. Yeah, there were, and, and at Faith and Freedom, you know, we, we knocked on about 5,226,000 doors, and uh, 44,000 of those were Latino uh, households in Dade and Broward counties where we had a serious evangelical outreach going on and, and pro-life outreach to pro-life and faith-based Hispanic voters. Uh, we ended up getting into about 1,500 Hispanic churches with our literature, and I think it made a difference. And then I think there was something else broader going on that was even bigger, and that was so many Hispanics are coming from places like Cuba or Venezuela or Nicaragua uh, or other countries in Latin America where they're fleeing socialism. And then to come to the United States and find out that that's the same kind of economic philosophy that the Democrats were offering them of uh, big tax and spend, government-run health care, promising all these big government programs. Yeah. Look at what they fled. And so I think uh, Donald Trump getting 34, 35, we've seen some polls where it's as high as 37% of the Hispanic vote and effectively splitting the Hispanic vote with Joe Biden in Florida and doing so well along the border in Texas 
it's a big reason why he carried Florida. It's a big reason why he carried Texas. And it's something that the Republican Party needs to take to heart going forward. We need to be more multi-ethnic, not just in our approach to faith-based voters, but in our approach to all voters. Ralph Reed, great to have you on the show. Love to have you come back and talk Georgia runoff uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks, if you can. But thank you, thank you, Ralph. You bet, David. All right, Ralph Reed, uh, more than a numbers guy. I mean, evangelical, influential evangelical organizer. And it's, it's someone very close to the president, by the way, someone that really can break it all down in very simple to understand terms, even for someone like me. All right, speaking about simple terms, Scott Rasmussen and his polling back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right. So do you believe President Trump uh, actually uh, won the election? Do you believe Joe Biden won the election? Are you not sure? Do you not care? I I don't know. Look, we got numbers uh, to get uh, for you today on the show. And who better to deliver those numbers than Scott Rasmussen, uh, who is with us again. And of course, Scott is uh, host of the podcast, Just the Polls, here on JustTheNews.com. Scott, thanks for being here. Appreciate it as always. David, it's great to be with you. Uh, it's nice to have a little bit of a break from the election, but not all that much. <laughs> no, not all that much. You know, you might as well get the IV drip of Excedrin just shot right into your arm, Scott, at this point. Uh, all right. Tell me about the latest poll with the legitimacy of this election. Well, it's a poll that we conducted for justthenews.com, and we found that 58% of voters now believe that Joe Biden legitimately won this presidential election. 29% believe Donald Trump is the legitimate winner. Uh, To compare those numbers to a week ago, the numbers saying Biden won are up nine. The numbers saying Trump won down five. So a little bit of a shift, but not anything massive. Most Republicans believe that Donald Trump is the legitimate winner. Uh, Obviously, overwhelmingly, Democrats say, no, it's Joe Biden. Now, the, the other question that we asked in this survey was, Regardless of who you think the legitimate winner is, who do you think will be declared the winner? And on that, the numbers are a little bit stronger for Biden. Uh, 69% say that Joe Biden will be declared the winner of this presidential election. Uh, And that 11-point gap has remained the same in each of the last two weeks. On that, the biggest, and I shouldn't call it a surprise, but the partisan gap is just huge. Uh, just about every Democrat says Joe Biden not only is a legitimate winner and is going to be declared the winner, most uh, independents say, yeah, Biden will be declared the winner. But among Republicans, 44% still believe that Donald Trump will be declared the winner of this election. 40% say he will not. Yeah, that's fascinating to me, Scott. I mean, it really kind of shows you the times that we live in. I mean, if you think about it overall, what you said, 69 percent, that means 31 percent overall of folks uh, think actually that Biden won't be declared the winner. 31 percent, that is a huge number two weeks after an election. It 
it is. And, you know, some of them are saying we're just not sure. They're watching the vote counts. They don't know. Uh, but the fact is that, you know, 20 percent of voters still expect that Donald Trump is going to be named, declared the president uh, once again for a second term. Uh, you know, we've seen this divide in politics for a long time. If you went back even to the 90s, you saw Republicans and Democrats having different views. And always in my polling, uh, when we ask our elections fair to voters, the team that has a man in the White House, well, they say, sure, they're fair. The team that doesn't disagree. But the gap in the intensity is getting bigger. And, and it's, you know, this is no longer a sense of, well, we think there might be a chance that something went wrong. There's a lot of people that actively distrust the uh, the vote counting system we have. Yeah. Hey, uh, Scott, I want to put up that first poll again. Parker, if we could put up that first poll uh, once again. Uh, what I thought was interesting is that you've got, uh, if you combine the 29% of people that think, uh, well, you've got Donald Trump, who do you believe legitimately won the presidential election this year? 29% think Donald Trump, 13% say not sure. That's 42%. And as you said, in the poll a week before that, it was higher. I believe it was a bare majority thought that. So, it, like you said it is dipped and I wonder if that doesn't hurt uh, the president as time goes on that that time is not the president's friend right now in the polling well I would say that time is not the president's friend you know the more time goes on what we're likely to see is some of that 13 percent who are not sure right now are going to come to the conclusion that Biden was the legitimate winner I would expect the number who believe that Donald Trump was a legitimate winner to decrease only modestly. Uh, in the short term, time is working. These numbers are really bad for Donald Trump. Longer term, they are really bad for Joe Biden. What they suggest, uh, and some other data that we have suggest that there is going to be a resistance to the Biden's presidency, just as there was to Donald Trump's presidency. And that's gonna make it very difficult for him to be effective. Uh, one other one other piece to throw into the mix here, uh, some polling that I did for politicaliq.com found that a lot of people think it's unknowable. When we talk about the close races in the toss-up states, only about six out of 10 voters think it's even possible to know who actually won. So again, this kind of sets the base. Even if you don't think something was nefariously done, People are saying, yeah, we're not really sure because when you have a few thousand votes out of a few million cast, mistakes might get made. Yeah. So just just to, to be clear, you're saying that this whole idea of hashtag not my president when Donald Trump was president is going to rear its head as well uh, with, with Biden. I mean, there's going to be this feeling of illegitimacy to his presidency from Donald Trump supporters as well, obviously. Absolutely. And, you know, look, I can tell you what's going to happen on social media. The Republican supporters of Donald Trump will start to take that theme up and the people on the other side of the aisle will say, oh, come on, grow up. You have to support the president. He's president of all the people. And the Republicans will shoot back and say, well, this is what you said four years ago. What's changed? You know, and I think that's the, the mess that we're in. Uh, there's about a third of the public that no matter what Joe Biden does, they're going to believe he's illegitimate and corrupt, doesn't belong there. There's going to be a, about a third who says anyone holding such views are crazy, and another third that are just trying to keep their head down and avoid getting shot in the crossfire. Yeah, you know, Scott, I, I got to tell you, it, it makes a, a lot of sense why these poll numbers are the way they are, because, you know, the media keeps saying, believe us, we're the fact checkers, we're the fact checkers, and yet no one believes them. No one believes them. And so, therefore, the AP comes out and Fox News and all these other folks project Biden as the winner, and 
the Trump supporters roll their eyes and go, give me a break. I don't believe anything you say anyhow. That's exactly right. You know, for a long time, I've been highlighting this, that uh, mm -hmm. voters tend to look at reporters as about as credible as a Wikipedia reference. You know, you take something a reporter says and you run it by your friends to see if it makes sense. And that loss of credibility is very serious right now. And I think there's another part of the, of the problem, which is uh, there has been such hostility in some circles mm -hmm. to Donald Trump from people who believe that Everybody shares their view. Everybody's going to be happy when Trump is gone. And I think what they're going to find out is a lot of people really liked Donald Trump, really did think he was good for them. And a lot of other people said, yeah, you know, he may not have been great, but compared to the option, he's looking pretty good right now. Scott Rasmussen, always great to talk to you. Great numbers and really great insight. Uh, seriously, you make me look smarter, which I'm a big fan of, by the way. <laughs> always happy to help. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks. So the memo to myself is to stay close to Scott Rasmussen at all times, and I'll just be really, really smart. That'll be fun. Uh, all right, coming next, the last sip. What are we talking about in some commentary analysis? Well, it's about the media and the rallies, and they were a bit disingenuous and kind of lying back in the moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right, so uh, you know all about the Trump rallies. We've talked about them all show. Uh, I don't know if you heard, the media said there was like, you know, a couple hundred people showed up. It's like a barbecue, less than a Biden rally, if you know what I'm saying. Sorry, I had to get that in. Uh, too soon, I get it. Uh, but here's some of the media coverage. Uh, take a look at what CNN put up. Uh, this is interesting. They said, while, while Stop the Steal may sound like a new 2020 slogan, it emerged in 2016 as a campaign baselessly accusing Trump opponents of voter fraud. Now, I got to tell you, I, I watch CNN, I say watch, I watched their Twitter feed all weekend long, nothing, pretty much nothing on the rally. That was the only tweet CNN was putting up specifically on Twitter about the rally. Now, now here's this. T take a look at this. Uh, this is from the Associated Press. This is a, a double for you. President Donald Trump delighted supporters gathered near the White House on Saturday with a slow motorcade drive by through downtown Washington on the way to, wait for it, his Virginia Golf Club, of course, they had to get that part of it in, like he's just going to cruise over to the golf club. Uh, after, or then they went on to say, a week after the presidential race was called for Democrat Joe Biden, ready for this, hundreds of Trump loyalists converged on the nation's capital to protest the election result and falsely assert the vote was stolen. They, of course, had to say falsely assert the vote was stolen. Uh, they say hundreds of supporters. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we might, oh, look at that, huh? We've got some video of the hundreds of supporters, or should we say the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds? How do you get to about, I don't know, possibly close to 100,000 or so? At least that's what we're hearing. Tens of thousands of supporters, but of course, to the Associated Press, it's hundreds 
of supporters. Uh, here's another uh, little media bias situation. How about this from Axios? Cries of stop the steal and count every vote rang out at gatherings in several cities despite the lack of evidence of voter fraud, AP reports. I like how they have to put that uh, the, the disclaimer in there. And then they do this. This is a twofer for you. Three Trump supporters were at a restaurant at 16th and K Streets Northwest when someone, that's how they call this person, someone set off fireworks in their direction. Yeah, someone. Uh, folks, that someone wasn't a Trump supporter. Why do I know that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because Trump supporters were at the restaurant eating peacefully, trying to have a meal. So it wouldn't have been a Trump supporter throwing fireworks at another Trump supporter, and it wouldn't be generic someone. That someone was a radical left thug who was doing the dirty work, but you would never hear radical left thug in any sort of mainstream media outlet at all. Mainstream media. Come on. Give me a break. Lose the air quotes. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. All right, uh, we saved the, the big news for the show uh, for the end, which, of course, is that I played Top Golf over, over the weekend. Thank you very much. But beyond that, uh, Sophie News. Sophie News? Did I just call you Sophie News? I Well, that's fair. No, I don't want to do that again, Dan. No, no. <laughs> Sophie Mann from Just the News. It's called an authentic blooper. That's fine. I mean, this is what the show's about. Sophie Mann, <laughs> you've been called worse. <laughs> Certainly. Certainly. <laughs> By you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Sophie Mann from JustTheNews.com yeah. is here. Hello, yes. Sophie. Hi. You know, here was my, what I was going for was saving the best news or the most interesting news for last mm-hmm. is this, this idea of the Moderna vaccine. Big yeah. news here. Yeah. So the big news of the day, as you say, is that uh, Moderna released very early numbers from its vaccine study this morning. Mm-hmm. So first thing Monday morning saying that it is clocking at an even higher efficacy rate than five Pfizer's um, vaccine, which was logged last week at a 90% efficacy rate. So Moderna's coming in at 94.5 efficacy rate at protecting people against the novel coronavirus. Um, What we have to remember about these numbers is that they are preliminary, and this is based on a trial, even a late-stage trial, which this one is in. You know Mm -hmm. these numbers are predicated on only about 95 cases of the virus that they're studying. The really good news is that um, of those 95 cases, 90 of them are from from the non-placebo group that they were testing on, mm-hmm. meaning that um, you know once they run the numbers on that, th- they're coming out with this 94.5 efficacy rate. Mm-hmm. Um, it will look a little bit different once it's mapped onto the population, but they, by all accounts, are saying that these are incredibly positive numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Fauci. Um, this morning talking about how this this cannot be looked at as anything besides extremely good news, mm-hmm. um, giving people, you know, not one but two options for a vaccine possibly by the end of the year uh, with, with rates of coronavirus cases spiking right now. Moderna believes that the mm-hmm. trial will conclude um, in the next couple of weeks and they will be able to ask for emergency use uh, authorization by early December, which means that people in very high risk categories could potentially be getting this or at least the first 
part of this two-dose vaccine mm -hmm. um, before the new year. And I heard about the side effects, Could obviously headaches and yeah. you know, possible stiffness in the area. You know, just like about your normal flu shot um, mm -hmm. kind of side effects, nothing drastic, nothing that has caused them to shut down the study or question their results. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to also see how many in America get that vaccine before the rest of the world. So. That's very true. And this vaccine, unlike Pfizer's, um, or not unlike Pfizer, but uh, more so than Pfizer, was part of uh, Operation Warp Speed run out right. of the White House by President Trump and Mike Pence. So they're, they're really in lockstep with the company on this right. one. Sophie Mann? Sophie Mann. Sophie Mann. Great to see you, Sophie. <laughs> you too. Thank you. All right, that does it for the show uh, today. Uh, tomorrow on the show, Congressman Matt Gates. So that'll be interesting. You know, he had COVID, so we'll ask him about that. We have a few other things to ask him about as well. We'll see you tomorrow.